Welcome to the Primal Priestess Podcast. I'm Hannah, and this is Season 1, The Free Birth of a Father, hosted by my husband Mason. Today's episode is called Verastruct with Micah. Micah is a father to three and plant enthusiast living in Phoenix with his wife, Jess, who is a radical birth keeper. Micah talks about his experiences with birth, first witnessing his wife's cesarean for breach while dealing with institutional racism, fear tactics, and the medical pressure. The next two births were free births at home, and the third was another breach. Mason and Micah discuss blood loss with both my and Jess's births, the impossibility of pinning down normal, and finally, Micah invites men in the Phoenix area to his event later this month titled Burgers and Birth, where men will gather to enjoy community and discussions around, well, birth. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome. Everybody, today I have Micah, and he is also obviously a free birth father. And today we're going to go over his experiences and his journeys. And he has a special offering that we have not had yet on the podcast. So, without further ado, Micah, would you take it away? Just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're all about. Yeah, I'm Micah Russell, and uh, 31 years old, and um. I feel like I've been blessed in my life with with the intuition that uh, when it came to things like free birth, it just came so naturally to me. I heard about it and I was like, well, that's how we're supposed to do it. We're not supposed to do it any other way. Mm-hmm. Almost as if my like subconscious already knew that it was a thing. Right. And I have felt that way with lots of different things in my life. And so I I have taken on I guess you would say a, a philosophical approach, a phenomenal, phenomenological <laughs> approach to understanding what that is and whether that's important for other people to learn as well. And I think it is. And uh, so I call that verastruct. It's a word I made up. And, hey. and uh, yeah, that's something that I'm working on quite, quite extensively. And that has bled really well into my wife's work and what she considers important because I would say free birth is verastruct. It's, it's something in which you, you don't build it, right? Mm-hmm. You don't try to reconstruct it. So that's the struct there in verastruct. And uh, so you're trying to do the diff, you know, you're trying to do it differently. Mm-hmm. And I, I see normal medicalized birth as, as a construction, right? In some cases, you're literally measuring and then you're constructing and you're measuring, cutting apart. Notes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And you're almost creating an architectural, you know, if you've ever seen a medical book, it's like an architectural design of the body. Mm-hmm. And I don't find that to be very intuitive for me. Um, my intuition tells me to, to try the, for lack of a better word, the, the millennial approach, the approach that's been tested for thousands of years. Right. So I do that with lots of things other than just birth. Um, one thing that I really love doing is I love to maintain and tend to plants indoors and outdoors 
We've got quite the collection. <laughs> I see your uh, pathos maybe behind you. Uh, uh, that is, I've got some Monsteros behind me. Oh, Monsteros. Monstera Delichosas. <laughs> and then um, Fiddle Leaf Figs, Ficus Lirata. And then at home, also, we have a bunch in our property as well. And so I, I garden, <laughs> do lots of different things. That well, way. there's some intuitive nature to that, too, you know. Exactly. I think that's exactly. something that gets lost, especially in today's society, highly among men. I feel like there's a lot of mm -hmm. instances where you can, you know, that women tap into their intuition and let them be guided that way. But it's not very common, I feel like, in male society today letting your intuition guide you and really listening to it and being able to tap into that. Totally agree. And I think, I think I've always had that intuitive sense, but it's always been a juxtaposition to, to, as you can imagine, I mean, I sometimes have to be aware of myself and go, Oh, you're using big words sometimes, <laughs> but it's a juxtaposition to my, to my intelligence and to my analytical mind. So mm -hmm. I, I've been blessed with both sides very, very, uh, very much so. And I, I've been very grateful for that. And that's helped me in my relationship with my wife and with free birth in particular. So to kind of get into that a little bit, um, my wife and I did not know. My wife's name is Jess and, and she mm -hmm. operates Jess Aurelia as her business. And we did not know about free birth when we got pregnant with our first child. Um, and so we were kind of searching, we were kind of trying to figure things out. And uh, Jess immediately started looking into some uh, thought leaders with free birth. I think her eye actually caught on to um, I don't know if this is still her handle on Instagram, but Fox meets bear mm. um, considers considers her a good friend today, even though I don't think they talked a lot. But <laughs> right. And found out that she did a birth in the woods with just her and her family. You know, oh, okay. talked about just having some red raspberry leaf tea and then heading out into the woods and, and giving birth to their <laughs> most recent child this was a couple years ago and uh that stuck with her and she kind of described that to me and I was like huh I don't know about the woods I mean if she feels comfortable <laughs> there then sure but I wouldn't do the woods myself <laughs> right I love the woods but not not yeah yeah I yeah, wouldn't so want you... the leaves and sticks on me and <laughs> in the middle of the night Right, but you didn't have any sort of like initial fears. So what did your intuition tell you when you kind of first heard that? That's what I'm saying is it just, it hit me and I was like, yeah, sure, you can do that, Jess, <laughs> if you like. And she's like, yeah. okay, well, let me see if I can wrap my head around it because it's something you have to wrap your head around. Totally. You know, I, I, don't, I don't subscribe a ton to the idea that we're like, um, that we've been, what's the term? Where we've been like misled with like propaganda. Mm -hmm. I think to some degree we, we self-inflict as much mm -hmm. as other people tell us what to do. Yeah, yeah we, we get ourselves into these mental boxes 
that we have to, it takes a lot of work to get out of you know it is it is a sort of um structure one has to make to get out of <laughs> right yeah you get out of the, the boxes totally and so uh you said you did not free birth with your firstborn uh we did not and what it basically came down to is um she was having a hard time coming around to the idea of free birthing and at the time we we got a midwife it ended up being a midwife duo mm -hmm. and they immediately um started showing some fear around the birth um he was presenting um breach mm -hmm. so when they were palpating um her belly she, he was presenting breach mm -hmm. and so that that caused them to have some worry then we got an ultrasound bad idea got an ultrasound and the ultrasound was way off yeah and we we find out later sorry i i jump all over the place when it comes to that, stories and that's what this is here for because i'm the same way <laughs> <laughs> yeah so he the, the ultrasound was way off showing that he was small didn't mm -hmm. weigh a whole lot um dangerously small and uh, that didn't worry me so much. I was just kind of like, oh, you know, an ultrasound's an ultrasound. Let's see how accurate these things are. Totally. <laughs> we're gonna find out they're not very accurate. I was gonna say not very. I think it's. I think they're rated for sixty percent accuracy with a competent <laughs> user. <laughs> yeah, they could vary any any number. And you go and you look, anyway, this is kind of a side note, but then you go and look at like the, the user reviews and the users are like, if the woman has too thick of a, of a, <laughs> of a uterine wall, I can't get any reading. It's like, wow. Okay. Like, what are we even doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then we blame the woman when there's, you know, when something weird shows up on the ultrasound instead of blaming the technology. <laughs> right. Cause it's sure proof, right? Right. It's a hundred percent accurate all the time. Yeah, no matter who's using it. <laughs> no question authority. <laughs> and uh, I, I mean, I don't like to play this card very often, but it they literally brought up the issue of race when it came to my wife. She is um, of African descent. She is black, mm -hmm. um, thirty-eight percent African descent, and they were like, "Look at these statistics on on." you know, births with black women and they're not very good. And uh, I tried to explain that there was most likely, this is, this is a good example of institutional racism is what I felt. Mm -hmm. But um, in the end, it seemed more instead that they were fixated on this data um, with breach, with a small baby, uh, presenting in the ultrasound with black pregnancy and black birth and ultimately they scared her scared my wife I wasn't scared I was like yeah we'll, we'll have a birth at home my intuition was ready to go I yep, didn't have to process go. a whole lot but I needed to accept where my wife was at mm -hmm. so she said we're going to the hospital to get a competent ultrasound done and and more research and so we went and the hospital was also concerned. Their ultrasound machine was also showing small and was also showing on the fetal monitor um, an erratic heart rate. 
Mm. And so they began to show concern. And then they thought that the um, placenta might have been calcified, which is no longer an excuse they give at the hospitals. <laughs> Stacking always excuse, everything up, huh? There's always an excuse du jour, you know? Yes, no kidding. And so that was the excuse. And, and those were the excuses. And um, my wife was not emotionally ready to take on the, the, uh, the social pressure, you know? Huge, big time, yeah. You know, you got some 15 people standing around you. Two, two of them are midwives, two of them are, sur you know, surgeons. You know, you have the, the different people who are there performing different duties and they're all there looking at you. Yeah, waiting for you to make a decision and uh-huh yeah. but in the meantime they're also saying this is this this is what we found out and this is what we found out and this is what we found out and this is what happens if if we're right you know not really talking about what happens if we're wrong <laughs> they're never wrong <laughs> they're never wrong. <laughs> never wrong no i'm sure they, they you know they were and that's one of the issues that i keep finding is that I think there's a lot more willful, uh, uh, sorry, accidental uh, malice in the world. Sure, yeah. So I think they were doing their job. They're doing the best they could, you know. I, I doubt they're constantly reading the effectiveness of ultrasound machines, mm -hmm. you know, every day and going, okay, let me just remind myself this is only 60% accurate if I do it correctly. They're not mm -hmm. doing that, you know. It, that's a lot of information to take in every day you know let's go over the effectiveness of every machine we have to deal with but the yeah. truth is is they don't do that and that's you know that's a level of of you know science that i think is necessary when it comes to people's lives when it comes to the body and you're you're saying we're going to deconstruct the body <laughs> mm -hmm. And we are going to prevent its normal functioning. Yeah. That, that to me, you should be pretty spot on. You should, you should be wrong very rarely in those situations. Yeah, it seems like so, they don't realize the effects that their precautions sometimes have on the outcome. Yes. And sometimes the knowledge of the precautions lead to other things that would have happened in the first place, you know? Absolutely. I, I mean, I don't know what the most recent data is, but when I was checking, sepsis is the most common, you know, form of maternity death mm -hmm. um, in the United States. And that makes us one of the leading in maternity deaths in the world. Yeah. And that is only caused from cesarean section, almost exclusively. Yeah. So it's amazing that that we have that sort of situation where the most common form of death, and I think it's more than 50% of maternity deaths is from sepsis. And that wow. can only be caused when you open up the body and, mm -hmm. and, there, and there's an issue there, you know? Yeah, you introduce things that were never there, you know? So I don't know if I said this, but our first, our first child was, was through um, emergency cesarean section. I, I need to put the emergency there because it is an emergency. It shouldn't be 35% of all births in the United States, mm -hmm. which I think is climbing now, which is just crazy. Oh, I think so. Yeah. So it was an emergency cesarean section. He was quite normal for his, um, 
for the term mm -hmm. that he was at. Um, I believe we were at, I just don't even remember now. That's hilarious. He was, he was not preterm. He, mm -hmm. he was at term. So I think it was like 38 weeks or something. Okay. I'm trying to remember. So he didn't have to go to the um, NICU, mm -hmm. um, which was, which was nice. And we, we, the one thing that we did ask for um, was that we could have the child right away. They did not give the, they did not give him to us immediately. Right. They did, they did their measurements real quick and then they handed him over and um, Jess immediately went to uh, breastfeed. Mm -hmm. She Good. was, she was for that. And he, uh, <laughs> he, he was laying on her belly and he did a push-up and we put a blanket over the three of us yeah and he opened his eyes oh wow <laughs> and he looked at us and he was just like i'm here <laughs> yeah i did it i did it oh and his grip was so strong man so mm -hmm. strong i don't know if i felt a stronger grip in my entire life yeah i gave him my pinky and my pinky almost <laughs> not almost fell off you know that's a, right that's right but it was white when i took it back it was, <laughs> no blood left in the pinky <laughs> wow so healthy healthy little healthy, man healthy healthy boy they brought out the placenta not calcified normal size <laughs> surprise surprise we asked we asked the surgeon if she if she had any idea of, because this is another issue that, that I forgot to mention is that they were worried about a septated uterus. So we were like, okay, what was the septate? And I believe the cutoff is like 0.8 centimeters or something between septate and arcuate. And it was 0.9 or one. <laughs> so yeah. right off, right on the cutoff between arcuate, which presents basically no birth issues. Hmm. within the medical system i should say sure and septate which presents quite a few medical problems um not as much with free birth though <laughs> right so when you guys decided to take the free birth route was it how long after your firstborn was that we were ready immediately as soon as we got the effect and we, we heard some of the results and then uh, the pressuring that continues with, with an emergency cesarean section um, to, um, we did not vaccinate our children. We have not vaccinated mm -hmm. any of our children, um, but there's an immense pressure to vaccinate. Oh yeah. And we felt that to as do well. various procedures mm -hmm. um, that we didn't want either. And so yep. the, just the pressure to, to perform a particular ritual with our child mm -hmm. when it comes to birth and the, the sacrifice that needs to be made to the, to the medical gods. Um, we, we, you know, to each his own, right? If that's your thing, totally. that's your thing, but that's not our thing. And so we felt the, the opposite pressure within ourselves, within our intuition to, to heal from that experience, not be too bitter about it. Mm -hmm. We did choose it after all, and that, mm -hmm. We have to own up to that fact. We can't blame everyone else for it because we chose it. It does no good. Yeah, it does no good to, to hate on everybody about it. And 
and uh so i was ready to go still <laughs> i was yeah i was like well our next one better be better be a free but forget about midwives forget about the medical yeah. system let's go for it and my wife was like i need to i need to heal mm-hmm. so we took a little more time between our first and second child and i think that was really helpful and um it's amazing. Uh, I know that men do this too. I know that all our bodies do this, but it was very interesting how her body um, took on the the physical attributes of where she was at with that in healing. Oh yeah. And so when she was finally ready to to have a free birth, to take on birth again, um, was when when she you know when we conceived our, oh, wow. our second child really cool how it works because mm-hmm. um you know she's like oh we need to take some time and i'm like yeah we don't have to you know go head first into get you know um conceiving another child mm-hmm. but let's see what happens you know sure and it's amazing you know the 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 female body the male body responds accordingly when it when you're doing natural processes like conceiving and birth it's amazing how how there's an intelligence in the body yes oh yeah and the communication between the two bodies yes mhm like an yeah, an understanding of each other is huge too i feel like Yeah, it's so it's so powerful and it's so wonderful and and that's why some people you know claim that the placenta is almost like a, a, a third third person in the process because it's it's the intermediary and uh, so I, I find that very interesting. Um, sorry, I'm just suddenly becoming conscious that i've talked a lot already <laughs> oh no you're fine no, all good this is uh this is we're here to listen to you everybody's listening to me so i'm trying i'm trying not to say the same things i've already said three times over <laughs> <laughs> but no but so i'll i'll uh i'll give you a break i'll speak a little bit okay um, <laughs> so we have sort of similar story like uh we we had planned to do a home birth and all that mm-hmm. stuff and we went the mid midwife route and she kind of led us astray in terms of mm-hmm. trying to bring in the technologies and she wanted to do the testing and we declined most of them. And then she kind of was throwing her own precautions at us like, well, you know, if you decline this, this could happen that you're not aware of and da 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 da. And um, when the time came when my wife Hannah, her, her water broke, she was 35 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we were like, okay, whatever, because Hannah's mother has a history of early labors or early yeah. early deliveries, whatever you want to call uh-huh. it. And so we kind of expected that might be the case and that could happen for us. And so we spoke with the midwife about it and she was like, legally, they're not allowed, not allowed, air quotes, mm-hmm. to deliver, to air quotes, deliver babies right. uh, before 36 weeks. And she said, if it was within a couple of days that she would fudge the paperwork for us so that we could just do it at home. And so we were like, okay, mm-hmm. that's, that's cool. Like, but that was not the case because we called no. her, you know, we called her and we were like, Hey, like her water broke, da, 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 da. just kind of like letting you know, 
because it was our first time you know we were mm-hmm. 23 at the time so we were young and we were just like okay this is what we do we let the midwife know that things are starting and uh mm-hmm. she basically was just like okay you guys go to the hospital we were like uh all right so <laughs> we ended up doing that and then uh start the slew of medical professionals trying to do their all of their interventions possible yeah um and doing using all their tactics to be like well this is not the time your baby's too early your baby's too small Uh it could it could be this that or the other fast forward my wife ended up giving birth at probably like three around like 350 or something that morning because we went in there probably nine o'clock at night or so and um but it was it was just a very sterile i don't know not not pleasant experience for either of us there was people telling my wife what to do people telling me what to do like push don't push like you can't push and she's like all i want to do all i want to do all my body's telling me to do is push and they were like you can't you can't it's just just getting in the way kind of like you said not letting intuition happen at all Uh and and it, I think even in that moment, we knew that like, okay, like next time around, we will be as far away from this place as we possibly can. Right. The, the one shining moment of that first hospital birth that we actually enjoyed and we could kind of separate from literally everything that was happening in the moment was I took my wife into the bathroom and we locked the door and they had like a tub in there. And so I ran, to, I filled the tub up with water I was like pouring water over her belly. We we took off all like the medical shit. You know, we took off all the monitor and the straps and all the, all the crap that they had tied to her that they said was necessary. And we were in there for probably half an hour or so. And that was the best half an hour of the whole thing, you know? Wow. And, um, but so with my daughter being 35 and five, 35 weeks and five days, they, they wanted to desperately just like take her you know like right yeah. away and that was yeah. kind of something that we had to advocate for too was like no we don't want you to take her right away right like, and so we but we were able to get that like we actually got her up on hannah's wow. chest and she breastfed a little bit but then they were like okay like that's enough type of thing like like they're entitled to our daughter more than we are you know yeah that's amazing and so they they took her on to the little you know you call it the little like the heat lamp thing and yeah. get all of her measurements and perfectly healthy passed every test she was <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> five, five she was five pounds everything was perfectly healthy wow and um just a little itty bitty just such, such a small little baby yeah and um but then they were like well she's 35 it's policy type of thing that we have to take her up to the NICU and so and in that moment I was so torn because it was like my wife just gave, went through labor and is now sitting in this hospital bed about to be by herself but also like yeah. hell no I'm not letting my baby go anywhere without me right and so when you were talking about how your son grabbed your finger that happened to me too I had my hand in the little box or whatever you know Beautiful. and uh, she grabbed my finger and she held on to it for four hours while we were up in the NICU wow. and it was basically like after my wife came up my wife came up from her room after a couple hours to come be with her and to breastfeed our daughter and 
but it was only at that moment, like when my wife came to see her and help hold her and be with her that she had let go of my finger. But, and then we had to stay for just a little bit longer just because of their policies and how they needed to right. make sure that everything was okay. Even though everything was very obviously okay. But right. just all I of think, that. I think we, uh, I think it's more important the way that we live our lives, but those first few hours, minutes, mm-hmm. days of a person's life are so important. Yes. That's, that's the start, you know? Mm-hmm. The brain is making associations immediately and yeah. trying to make sense of this, you know, of everything that's going on. And, you know, to have to have no object permanence with the body of mm-hmm. any sort. And and I of course object is the wrong word, subject permanence, but like <laughs> everything's yeah. changing. The temperature changes, the lights changing, you know. You're being wheeled down a hallway and yeah, lights are flashing and sound. They're poking you and, and getting blood yes. out of you. And oh man, that it's no way. It, it's like it's like being born into a battlefield (laughs) Mm -hmm. chaos and it's you know what what does that do to the psyche and um you know you don't want to make associations necessarily but like yeah our our first child with the emergency cesarean section he he does lack um he does lack some trust with the world. Yeah. Um, it, it does feel like he needs to rush. You know, and, it, and it's an excitement. It's not, it's not necessarily a totally bad thing, but he's got a constant excitement and need to, to rush out what's within him into mm. the world. Before the world takes over that, that space and fills it in with its commotion. Yeah. So it, it clearly has affected him in his first few years of life in comparison with our other two children. Um, I don't know if you wanted to, to say any more about your story. No, not so much. I mean, I don't have, I don't have the, 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 probably the correct words to kind of say what I'd like to convey, but I, we very much have similar yeah. stories with our firstborn too. I mean, yeah. our secondborn who was free birth he's only about a year and a half old but so it was it might be a little bit of time until we really can draw the two comparisons of like young child and how they yeah. interact with the world but i definitely see some of how she was brought into this earth playing out for who she is and probably for the rest of her life to some degree you know yeah so clearly i have some trauma left over because whenever I tell this story, I end up devoting more time to that first birth than to our subsequent two free births. Um, despite the fact that, you know, I'd, I'd rather people know about the joy and, and mm-hmm. the beauty of a proper free birth, but I, I st- I'm still processing that trauma and we still had to process that trauma. Cesarean totally. section leaves a mark on the body and um, in her case, in Jess's case, the stitch didn't look too <laughs> look too uh, clinical. Let's say it looked That's rather uh, 
rather uh, primitive. Um, <laughs> so there was, you know, part of her belly sticking out in particular parts of it. Oh, interesting. And, and you know, the, the disillusion, the policies, right, continue even after you leave of saying, hey, you know, rebirth after cesarean, vaginal birth after cesarean, yeah. very high likelihood of rupturing. And so that's a worry. You know, there's all these worries. And yeah, then now some... family is convinced that you're supposed to get cesarean sections with every birth because that's what happened in the first. So clearly that's how you're, that's the only way you can have births. Yeah, everybody decides that that is your story now, whether uh -huh. you like it or not. Exactly. That's the physics of, of birth for you. Yeah. Now, gravity flows that way, and you can't make it flow any other direction. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate, but in the end, you have to convince yourself. It's the only mm -hmm. person you really have to convince. The only real person that you have to have trust in, and to some degree... I think you need to have a trust in some higher power to go, okay, I'm not, I'm not capable with my conscious mind of making a birth go perfectly well. Sure. So you have to trust in the, in the force that gave you life in the first place. Mm -hmm. but hey, hey, and that's, and that's such a beautiful concept. It's like, we've been birthing for how many years now as a species? Yeah. Very long time. It, it's, it's it's worked. Animals <laughs> still do it today. <laughs> yeah. And I can't help but think, you know, I'm sorry if I talk. I'm talking a lot about statistics, but sometimes that's how my mind works. That's how a lot of um, men work. So it's perfect. I'm sure you're probably speaking the right language to a lot of people listening. A lot of men they, listening who aren't on board. <laughs> there you go. But you look at the statistics in countries that have lower maternity death in the US, um, but where we go, oh, look, they got really bad maternity deaths, you know? Mm -hmm. And you find out that the deaths are very common. They're nominal for the age group that is giving birth. Mm. So if you go, oh, there's a one week period, you know, or, or whatever, maybe ninth month is a, better, is a better frame, but there's a nine month period in this woman's life, what's the likelihood that she was going to die from malaria in this location? Sure. This X percentage. Well, how many died from malaria while pregnant and giving birth? The same percentage. Mm -hmm. Oh, so it doesn't have to do with birth and pregnancy, yeah, and pregnancy right. now, does it? That's just a woman who died would have died anyway, and the pregnancy and birth just didn't help you know didn't keep yeah. her alive that's all <laughs> right right <laughs> skewed statistics right it's so well that doesn't sound like maternity death that just sounds like normal death and mm -hmm. and there's a good chunk of a person's life that's involved in pregnancy and birth mm -hmm. you know you hate you hate to see people die in in, in the time of birth right <laughs> of course feels like feels like we're putting two things that are that are opposite of each other in such close proximity, mm -hmm. which of course is not the case. Death is always involved in life. You know, there's always- Birth and death are the same, you know? Exactly. And exactly. that's, 
I think that's one thing too that really kind of helped me and my wife get to the um, get to free birth and kind of the mentality of that is just like a kind of a real primitive for lack of a better word understanding of life and death and just like yeah. the knowing that pushing past the fears of like well what if the baby mm-hmm. doesn't make it or something well then it's like well to be morbid if you will then that baby probably was not destined to be on this earth in the first place there you go you no know? and it's like an understanding of that i think coming being able to come to terms with that i feel like is really really big and really huge and very powerful you know to kind of be like okay that's 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 real that's true you don't want to have the baby come to this earth struggling and fighting for its life like that's Mm -hmm. speaking of its first moments like what is the threat of its life going to play out to be right and we all make our choices throughout life and that's more powerful than than you know a couple hours when we're born Mm -hmm. but man those couple hours might have more effect than you know a couple hours when you're when you're 70 you know yeah oh yeah any any couple hours when you're 70 (laughs) yeah so that's that's important and um we were living with uh jess's mother at the time Mm -hmm. when we were starting to think okay we're we're healing here but we're not ready to have birth in you know she wasn't ready to have birth in our mom's home. Sure. She wanted her own place. She wanted to feel comfortable in her own place. And luckily we had an opportunity that we were finally able to move into our own home. Oh. And that just opened up a lot. Um, she, she grew to get comfortable there in our new home. We still live there. And um, so she got comfortable in the new home. Um, she had healed to a certain degree that her body was now ready to conceive. And, um, so I think we actually conceived before we left mm-hmm. um, her mom's house. And that's probably part of the reason why she was like, okay, let's, let's go get a place. <laughs> Time to go. You know, she's like, you better get a place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Or else, you know, and so <laughs> we, we got a place and we immediately started um, working on, okay, what is this going to look like in this space? Um, because obviously we had a completely different experience. So it's like, what does it look like to get comfortable and to birth? And, and is it going to be difficult? You know, what, what is, what is it going to be like? Yeah, and I think that's one know. of the, exactly. And I think that's one of the things that helped us to heal is we were like, that was horrible. So if this is horrible too, It'll be horrible in a different way. It'll be horrible on our terms. Exactly. <laughs> At least we know it won't be a repeat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, 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 you tried, you know, you, you made an effort. We, we gave the old, the old try, you know. <laughs> yeah. And so we, we got together. She put together a plan. Um, she, she said, okay, I want this. I want this. I want... I want these meals in the freezer. You know, she actually got pretty well set up there. Um, and I think at this point she was already getting involved with the Free Birth Society and, mm-hmm. and getting some help from, you know, other women through that um, community. 
and that proved you know very helpful to her in preparing for our second birth and to some degree it was effortless mm -hmm. compared to the last one our first one it was effortless so easy i think it was six hours total mm -hmm. of labor um she went into our shower we have a rather large shower um and she just let the water rush over her that made her a little dehydrated so at one point she did pass out um after giving birth but um you know 40 weeks i think maybe 40 weeks in a couple of days i'm sorry sometimes i remember data and sometimes i no, don't it's, it's fine you're all good i'm like is the baby healthy yeah was it a good experience yeah well, then why do you need to remember any of it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just cool. remember the good parts, you know? Mm -hmm. I do remember welling up with tears and being like, wow, this, this can work. Mm -hmm. This works. And our second child was not breech. Um, she was, um, I forget what the term is, but she, her position was nominal. It was um, normal. Um, she was pretty normal size. <laughs> um, I think, but... I think one difference from normal that we experienced was one that just passed out for a little bit. There's quite a bit of blood um, when she came out. And then the cord that she creates is, is a little thin and a little short. Mm -hmm. But I, I love this concept that, that our bodies have an intelligence built into them. And there's got to be some reason. Yeah. Certainly a better reason than, oh, we did an ultrasound and it's always 100% correct. And, <laughs> you know, you need to do this next. It's like, no, there's a lot more um, deep thinking going on there um, behind the scenes that to some degree, the subconscious ability of our being makes decisions for us that we could, then we could ever make consciously. Yeah. You know, I, I went hiking the other day with my dad and we were running down the mountain and I just stopped to think for a second. I was like, wow, my body is making insane calcu calculations right now mm -hmm. to make every step to land in every spot. This, an AI couldn't do this. No. Maybe not, maybe an AI someday, but not today. No. Mm -hmm. Uh, you even get those Boston Dynamics robots. They can't do <laughs> yeah. that. They can't run down a mountain with a bunch of rocks and they're all different shapes. I mean, wow, that's some insane. That's 3D processing. That's not 2D. That's 3D mm -hmm. processing. And then 3D processing with a mechanical body, a mechanical mm -hmm. process. It's just amazing. And it and it's not just a hard, it's it's a hard and soft body physics <laughs> it's very complicated yeah and that's what a woman's body does in conjunction like you said with with the baby mm -hmm. and i i think that's off forgotten so i'm so glad that you said that and reminded me of that that this is this is two bodies making decisions it is. together yeah. in oh, tandem yeah. and one of them is so intuitive that you almost can't say they have anything other than intuition yeah that's all they have. And if you can, it's weird to even call it that almost because 
Mm-hmm. It's the label that we've created, you know. It's yeah. It's a feeling more than it is even something that you can describe as a word. It's full bodied, right? So it's mm-hmm. it's got a spiritual component. It's got a emotional component. It's got a psychological component. It's got a corporeal component. It's it's yeah. It's almost hard to describe. It's yeah. Yeah, something you had kind of said a little bit was you had like a a degree of variance from normal type of thing or something yeah. along those lines you said. And I think that's very standard. I think it's more often than not people experience yeah. a degree off of normal because we had a similar situation with our second born Eli. He, uh, Hannah's placenta, she, she birthed Eli and the placenta, I think it took a couple hours to come out, but it was mm-hmm. also something similar. She had a very, she had a very short cord. So I actually kind of almost similarly to the first or uh, to the first birth, but better in a sense, was uh-huh. that I, I actually held my son for like a good few hours, like oh, while Hannah beautiful. rested because her cord, the cord was short. So Hannah couldn't really like pull him up to her chest and sleep no. like that. So I, I, uh, I sat there with him like until the placenta was ready to come out as well. Um, so it was like, I have a similar experience between the two births, but such so radically different, you know? Yeah. And, um, and, also what you'd said too is the just the blood like my wife had a lot of blood a lot of bleeding and there was a lot of times where she was just like I'm just so tired like I just Mm -hmm. I like I I need to go to sleep and I feel like a lot of times I hear stories of like in those moments like the the men the husbands whoever is the partner kind of freaks out like I freaked out you're gonna pass out like and sometimes like no like you're going through a lot like they're, yeah. they're doing a lot of work I can't even imagine yeah. like the exhaustion that that puts on the body and so I was kind of like you know like close your eyes like take go take a nap you know like right. do what you feel you need to do because in that moment my intuition was like yeah there is a decent amount of blood here but I, nothing in my body is screaming or even whispering that anything's wrong right now well you yeah. did better than me then <laughs> <laughs> I was freaking out and we never did figure out what, you know, what the reason was. And I had to accept like, Hey, Hey, cause I have a tendency to go the medical route, you know, and like, I need to analyze everything and measure everything. And it's just like, you got to get rid of all that. Right. And so our second birth was not perfect, but it was so much better compared to our first birth. It was effortless. Yeah. We, we didn't have to talk to as many people. <laughs> we just yeah. had to talk to ourselves, you know. And of course, we weren't we weren't about to do anything crazy. We weren't going to be like, oh, you know, we're seeing she's feeling some weird signs down there, you know, and they're mm-hmm. really freaking her out, you know, and she's bleeding already, like at twenty weeks. No, we yeah. were trying to figure something out. But well, unless things were within that window of normal we were going to be perfectly okay and and not worry about it and so that that actually made me think for a second because i think people misunderstand what what normal means normal is that slight variation there is no true normal it's not like true north it's there's no true normal you know harvard back like around 10 years ago they took they invited their undergraduate class to come and they did something like 53 measurements of their body to try and see if they could find the average jack and jill 
-hmm. of the undergraduate class at Harvard. And they thought, okay, we could get within 10 parameters maybe and five, five to 10% difference, you know, off of, off of the average. So they put, so they tried to do it with any 10 parameters, any of the 10 parameters. Nope. There is no average Jack in Harvard. So they brought it down to eight. Nope. Not with eight. How about uh, six? Not with six. How about five? Not five. How about four? So now they're like at shoulder, shoulder width, <laughs> yeah. head height, hand size, you know, tall, and then hip, hip size. Yeah. You know, really normal stuff. Like what you need to just fit into clothes yep. at the at the store, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You just grab a medium in a me, you know, medium in a 30. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And you've got, you're ready to go, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was no Jack that could fit the clothes off the rack. <laughs> yeah. Of course not, you know? So they got down to three and they found a man who had three parameters within five to 10% off of the average. So literally just hand size, height, and um, I forget what the other one, it was like hip, hip, waist length or whatever. That's it three parameters they had like a couple hundred people and you said they started with 52 uh, parameters or 53 i think (laughs) i'm definitely getting these numbers wrong so you'll need to look but it's vastly different that's the main it's huge difference and then the women i think they had to go down to two parameters and they were able to find the average jill and so you can imagine that Sure, if you include the population of the whole earth, you can do more parameters, but you're not going to be doing 10 even with the whole population of the earth. No. Which is amazing. It's like, how, how is that not possible? Yeah. And so but- when, you're, when you're birthing or you're doing anything that you're, you know, maybe you're a little bit scared about and maybe you're charting new territory, just remember, it's not all going to look it's not all going to look average. It's not all going to look yeah. normal. Not everything's going to go according to plan. Right. There's no, there's no funnel that you're going to slide down to enter the same zone as everybody else. But yes, I love that. Yeah. yeah it, it takes, it does. It takes intuition, you know, coming back to how you speak on intuition. We, and I think it really played itself out in Hannah's birth with me as well, because my wife is huge, big, big time on her intuition and her intuition mm-hmm. is usually damn near spot on i'll nice. give her that and uh and so that's um it's taken me some time to kind of come around to that a little bit and kind of use that in my own life but there was a moment um in hannah's pregnancy where she i don't even know what the right word would be but she basically had like a huge like a massive blood clot like she let a massive blood clot out um mm-hmm. and so we were like well what the heck is this was it it's a little cause for concern because it, it was big it was right. like like my hand it was like it was like this big it was a big blood clot and wow. so followed with like some bleeding afterwards and stuff so we didn't do any medical anything the second time around like no ultrasounds mm-hmm. or anything like that but hannah's intuition led her to say like, let's go get this checked out. 
And so we okay. did that. We had gone to the, uh, like the ER and we were basically like, we went in there. We were like, look, this is what happened. All we want is an ultrasound and we'll go. That's all we want. And uh, it was a, like a male doctor. And he, mm-hmm. he basically flat out told us like, no, he's not going to give us an ultrasound unless he can first um, check her cervix. And we were like, well, no, like that's, we're, we're not here for that guy, creepy old. In any other setting, yeah, that like is sexual assault. Yeah, exactly. And he was adamant and he was and like, blackmail. No. Exactly. That's what it was. And he was like, I will literally, like, I'm not doing this until you give me the exam. And so we're basically like, fuck you. One out of like, five stars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and we, we asked for like a female doctor like service yeah we were asked for like a female doctor and he basically was like well i'm the only one here that can do it and so we just left we left ama against medical advice like we had to like sign something that was like yeah, we're not we doing what the doctor it. says yeah and um but that was uh i think that was a huge test to both of our intuition to be like mm-hmm we were kind of on the fence about getting it checked out in the first place but we were like we should do it anyway we got there and everything was wrong and we were like hell no like we're gonna leave and so yeah and so then that really led into the birth and being like here's that thing again here's the the test of the intuition what are you gonna do and so that i think it's interesting how that kind of plays into it it was like a little precursor of like how are you going to show up here? <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I think that's really special too. But so let's, let's hear a little bit. Um, I think though you touched on it a little bit. Uh, you said you were at your, her mother's house. Did you guys, and you do, sorry, you did touch on it actually probably as much as you should have or could have, but just nav- <laughs> navigating, like telling people that, you know, in your life, like friends and family that you guys are doing free birth. Did you even like, did you test the waters? And then people were kind of like, well, you had C-section. And then you're kind of like, okay, we're not telling anybody anymore. <laughs> we, how uh, did you guys do that? Yeah, we, once we were convinced that we were going the free birth route, we just didn't want to communicate really a whole lot about it. And, um, you know, it's amazing that once you get into that sort of situation where you're like, I'm going to do something different, um, the expectations for you as a child, you know, of parents is that, oh, no, we do get to figure out what's going on in your life. And we do get to. <laughs> right. Do, the entitlements. Yeah. We get to know all this information that maybe your other siblings can keep private. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I uh, we we just went, you know what? You gave a lot. Of, you've been giving a lot of privacy to, uh, you know. Our, our other siblings, you know, my wife's siblings and then my siblings from my parents and then her parents, her parent. And so we were like, so we're going to expect that out of you. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So we, we treated that as part of the whole thing. You know, this isn't just a industry. It's not just an institution or, or, or an organization or a group of organizations. It's not a cartel it's a social thing big time and like i said earlier we self-inflict mm-hmm. 
So we needed to help, needed to tell ourselves, okay, well, we're not going to worry so much that we have to include other people. Mm-hmm. And if we can't do that, then that's fine. You know, that's ultimately what we choose. But but we were able to do it with our second birth. And with our third birth, I think we were both finally in line. I think we both had some trauma with the first and second to some degree. But by the time we had our third um, child, we were, we were completely healed. And that was less than an hour of labor. I was going to say, let's hear about that one. Let's hear about number three. Less than an hour of labor. Didn't need to use the shower. She just wanted a tent. So we got a tent, put it inside. <laughs> One of those, uh, one of those inside tents, you know, play tents. So it's canvas sure. and, and sticks. So it's not, it's not like, <laughs> it's not like a neon green. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not camping. Right. Uh, but she was in there and she felt really warm inside there. Felt like she was being cuddled by the, by the tent. Mm. And um, that proved extremely helpful for her. And I guess I didn't talk about this one concept enough, um, but I guess I guess uh, you know from a from the side we have, which is that you're supposed to follow your intuition even as a man. Mm-hmm. That that itch to measure and to control the environment of a birth is you know, that's toxic. It's toxic for women to do, for men to do. It's just not what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to let life breathe and grow into the space that we give it. And yeah, we're going to need to move some dirt. We're going to have to, um, you know, water every now and again. Mm -hmm. But our job is not to do the birth, to grow the plants, to, um, to actually do the life, you know, right. yeah. <laughs> to, we, we don't deal in, in, you know, vitamancy or biomancy, whatever you want to call it, life, life magic. We don't do that. Mm-hmm. That's not our job. Our job no. is to move the earth into, you know, when she says, I want these foods in the freezer, I go get them. That's your job. Yeah. That's my job. And she wants me to hold her hand. I hold her hand. You nourish the life. Yeah, exactly. And so, and that could be an awkward position for a man to be in because your desires to control and to take charge and to build and to construct the space and what's about to occur. You want to make it a process. Mm -hmm. Okay. Step one, you're going to do this. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And that's another thing I was going to mention is with our second birth, she had this big old plan and we did none of it. <laughs> we did none of it. Yeah, yep. Uh, we, we got the food in the freezer that she wanted. We made sure she had the food that she wanted in the water, the way that you know we had electrolyte, electrolyte water for mm-hmm. her. And we had uh, toast with honey. She didn't eat it and drink it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. So it's just like you can make this plan all day long, but in the end, it's it's a bodily function. It's a it's intuition. It's body intelligence. It's not consciousness. Mm-hmm. It, you got to flow with it and you got to feel it. Yeah, you know, there's uh, 
I wouldn't say it's an expression. It's more of like an analogy that my wife always says uh, with birth. And she, I can't remember if she said it to me before she free birthed our son or not. She definitely said it after. And it's like when you look at animal, like the animal kingdom and like gorillas in particular, like when a mother gorilla is giving birth, the father gorilla, he's there. He doesn't even look at the mother like once. It's his job to walk the perimeter, make sure exactly. she is safe, creating uh -huh. one of her favorite words these days, create the container for the birth mm. to take place in. Mm -hmm. And that's a very, if you haven't ever stepped into that role, it can be very hard to do to create a container to hold the space. But right. the way that she puts that is to like where, yeah, the, the mother gorilla just does her thing. She just gives birth. The mm -hmm. father gorilla, he doesn't come in. He doesn't touch her. He doesn't bother her. He doesn't tell her she's doing good or doing bad or needs to push exactly. or needs to breathe. He's just there creating a circle around her of safety. Yes. And I was like, okay, yeah, I, I can, I can dig that. Like I, right. I, I, I can do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, if, if the woman says, hey, I need to go to the hospital, then you do that. Yeah. Your dog to driver. Mm -hmm. If uh, if there's a threat of malaria for her in that particular country, then it's your job to to make sure she doesn't get malaria. Keep yeah. her. You keep swat her. those mosquitoes away. Exactly, and your job is to have the food there. Is she hungry? Feed mm -hmm. her. Is she thirsty? Yep. Give her water. Does she need a safe space to be in? You know. In my case, she wanted a tent. I got her a tent. Exactly. Yeah. Huge. And that's the man's role. And for our third birth, I literally was just sitting next to her. Mm -hmm. And I think what I decided is I'm going to do what I want to do in this birth. Mm -hmm. And of course, I want to be there. Yeah. And of course, I want to be near her. And that's what I ultimately want to be. I don't want to be measuring. I don't want to be controlling. Is that really going to make me feel good? Right. Or is that just going to fill the time and, <laughs> and feed my ego? Mm -hmm. and, yeah, and like what's the real drive behind wanting those things? Exactly. Um, is, it, is it for connection? Is it for the child that you get at the end? Mm -hmm. No. So I, I just sat there and it, and it's so funny. She's like, okay, I'm going into labor. I'm like, I'm going to go take a nap. And she wakes me up 10 minutes later. It's like, I'm moving really far along. Of course, she didn't say it that fluidly. You know, she right. said, I'm going, doing, uh, and I was like, I got it. Okay. <laughs> yes. I hear you loud and clear. <laughs> I hear you. I'll text everyone you need me to text. <laughs> And then I'll get the I'll get your bread ready and I'll get some water and, and then I'll and then I'll hang out with you. Mm -hmm. And I just the look on her face when she realized that I was there just to be there and just to be myself and just to enjoy it myself. Wow. Like smiling through the labor, mm -hmm. just loving it. She's like, wow, thank you so much. I'm like, yeah, I can I can be here <laughs> anytime. <laughs> That's all a man ultimately needs to do. Mm -hmm. Be there, you know? Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, I have to remind myself sometimes, like with my kids, my kids just want me to play with them. 
they're willing to play a game that I want to play. Right. So am I willing to stoop down? Stoop down. I'm doing (laughs) quotations. It's not stooping down. It's becoming a real human, you know? So am I going to come down and be a real human and play, play what game I want to play or, or I'm, or am I going to be like, Oh no, either I got to play your game or not at all. So might as well be not at all. Cause I don't care about dinosaurs, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's no good. Help anybody. And that, that's not what anyone wants. You know, they want us right. there to enjoy and to have a good time, even in birth, even in pregnancy. It's the exact same. Mm-hmm. And well, it's just, honestly, the joke that I give is that my wife then made a post about her third birth. And I said, my wife spent more time and energy. <laughs> making the post about this birth and actually having the birth right yeah, yeah. i almost missed it i was asleep. <laughs> like literally i come in and she's like this is the foot so our third child was breach mm-hmm. and we didn't care no at all and it was easy now it wasn't easy it was she had the labor but it yeah, but if you let it happen it's yeah, yeah it's not torture <laughs> it's, yeah. it's working out it's a really hard exercise it's a marathon exactly it's something the body is made to do it's not something the body's not made to do exactly right and that's why to some degree it's not even a marathon mm-hmm. yeah marathon it's, you're forcing yourself to go do exactly it's a man farming that's yeah. what it's more like. It's a man farming. He's sweating. He's getting dirt all over his yep. body, you know, and, and it's hard. But man, does it feel good? Satisfying. It feels yeah. So good. Mm-hmm. And then the the you know the, the produce, the fruit, the fruits of the labor that you get at the end. Wow! Then you get to eat that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And you get to play with your child, you know. And mm-hmm. You get to you get to play with their feet and you get to feel the strong grip on the pinky. <laughs> man beautiful it is well i think that's a good segue into letting people know kind of what you what your offering is because you do have an offering that is in at least my understanding fairly unheard of you know that's true so what I'm offering, and um, my wife is also offering to to um, to the husbands and partners of her women's circle, is that if you're in the Phoenix area, Phoenix, Arizona area, um, we are offering a special circle for men to discuss birth and um, just kind of talk about how things are going. I, I know a guy in my area, he's had 11 children and wow. a good, like, I think a good, like seven or eight of them <laughs> are, are home births. Right. So I'm, I'm going to try and make sure he can come and he can talk to, <laughs> talk to the men and, you know, men, we need food to be convinced to go to someplace. So Hell there's, yeah. there's going to be burgers and uh, it's going to be Saturday, August 13th, 2022. I say that because, you know, people come back to these things and they're like, hey, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready for yeah. this thing. It's like, no, it's, 
it was 2022, not 2025. <laughs> yeah, that was three years ago. So it'll be from 3.30 to 6 p.m. here in the Phoenix area, August 13th on Saturday. And like I said, we're going to try and make this a biannual or, or triannual. I don't know what the definite, uh, what the proper prefix is there. Sounded right to me. Triannual event. And uh, yeah, we're just, we're going to talk about what it means to, to leave that space, right, for life to grow, for for life to emerge. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. I, I would love to even maybe do something like that up in our area because I know yeah, I know it would be beneficial. But yeah. So we just need I, to figure out how to how to convince these men, you know, to come to come out. And yep. uh, and I get it. I get it. You you need that food. <laughs> hey, man, you say there's a burger. I'm almost always there. <laughs> <laughs> now I just got to make, make sure that you know that I'm not, I'm not selling you on some multi-level marketing scheme here at the same time. Yes. No, it's a multi-level life scheme. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. Well, yeah, that's, that's really cool. I'm glad you're doing that for the men out there. And I'm, Thank you really glad you came on today and i guess kind of on the way out here do you have uh any sort of advice you'd offer to the men listening who are weary and kind of on the fence and about the whole free birth if you made it this far um my assumption is that no no amount of talking is going to convince you and that's admirable that is beautiful that that's the way you know you know some people operate that you you dear listener might operate and i would just say sometimes you gotta take the leap gotta take the leap of faith you take leaps of faith all day every day and you you take them because they're socially guaranteed but it's worth it to take a few leaps of faith that aren't socially guaranteed it's okay to deviate a little from the average because that's what average actually is it's deviating a little from the act from the from the absolute average the mathematical average yeah beautiful i agree completely in every aspect of your life <laughs> thank you leave should be taken totally and micah thank you so much man i really appreciate it and it was beautiful to hear your story and what you have to offer and it was, it was a good time yeah yeah hopefully we we stay in touch i i love this conversation definitely well i know i know who would love to talk rebirth so <laughs> i know where <laughs> i know where to find you now i'll call, make sure to call make sure out. to grab the, the instagram from my wife or something but, yeah right on michael well thank you so much man i appreciate it again thank you have a lovely day and uh have a lovely time yep you as well brother thank you <laughs>